0: KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. When Beck Richmond was in rabbinical school in suburban Philadelphia, she ran head on into a rule that clashed with the vision she had for herself. It was more than a rule, actually, it was a law.
1: The law is written as it was, and we can write responsa, we can make our own arguments, but it sits as it sits, and it's ours to contend with.
0: Rabbi Beck faced a classic coming-of-age dilemma. Conform to convention or try to forge a new path.
1: I think it's a sacred act to contend with what is hard in our tradition.
0: In the Jewish religion, a rabbi is a spiritual leader of the clergy, a teacher. But Rabbi Beck is more than a rabbi. She's also a scribe. And not just any scribe, a Torah scribe, entrusted with restoring and doing maintenance on the most sacred text in Judaism.
1: It's a big responsibility and it's also, we've been doing it for thousands of years.
0: It's true, Jewish scribes have been around for millennia, but scribes like Rabbi Beck,
1: not so much. If I were a man, there are schools and programs that one can go through. I am a woman, more importantly, I'm not a man. So that is not available to me. It's not available to us, the group of progressive women, scribes, who I'm deeply connected to and indebted to for my learning.
0: Up until about 35 to 40 years ago, there were no female Torah scribes, at least none that were documented through evidence of their work, ever in the history of a religion with origins dating back over 3,000 years. Rabbi Beck could have stuck to the letter of Jewish law. She could have let the restraints of tradition snuff out her ambition. Instead, she found a community reimagining the rules.:
1: We're very much in a moment of change, I think, of people beginning to see that it's possible to become a scribe, as a liberal Jew, as a progressive Jew, in a non-traditional way, in a not you know, without a black hat and a beard.
0: This is the JohnCast, a podcast about interesting and unexpected stories from Philadelphia, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Make memories during happy Honda days. I'm Brian Seltzer. During a time when there's so much attention being paid to the role religion plays in our world, this is a story that, yes, does revolve around a specific religion, but really what it represents are these transcendent themes that we as a society encounter all the time. Why it's important to rethink and reinterpret old norms. The value of making things accessible to people of all walks of life. Figuring out who you are and what your purpose is. And how the past and the present are never really all that far away from each other. We'll circle back to Rabbi Beck Richmond and her role in this story in a bit. But first, let's start at one of the oldest Jewish congregations in the Western Hemisphere, Rode of Shalom. It sits on the east side of Broad Street between Green and Mount Vernon streets, just a few blocks north of Center City, Philadelphia. Rabbi Jill Materer is the congregation's senior rabbi.
2: So here we are in congregation Rode of Shalom's sanctuary, which has been this exact sanctuary since 1928. I can just take you on to the Bima and open our ark.
0: In some ways, the architecture of Road of Shulim's sanctuary harkens back to the grand old theater days along the North Broad Street corridor when there were places like the Met or the Uptown that were still operating. There's rows of pews seating on the main floor and overhanging balcony from the second level. The ceiling was built in the shape of a dome. It has stained glass on the top and also in the windows along the side of the building.
2: The bima almost looks like a stage. It's literally, it means a raised space or a raised platform. And that's where we can offer prayers, services, events. And so at the very end of the bima is the ark, which is sort of like a sacred closet for the Torah scrolls.
0: Yes, just to clarify, the Torah is a literal scroll over 120 feet long, written in ink on parchment paper that's wrapped around two wooden handles.
2: Each Torah scroll contains the five books of Moses. So the Torah, which you can read in a book, is ritually still read from the scroll, as it has been for generations.
0: At the moment, Road of Shalom has ten Torah in its collection. The ark was half full the day that I was there.
2: One, One of the unusual things about our arc is that we have a motor which opens it. Most arcs are manually opened and closed. So we actually have a button that opens and closes our beautiful arc.
0: Of the five scrolls that are here, it looks like three or what, maybe around four, four and a half feet tall without some of the ornamentation on top. What are we looking at here with some of the decorations and ornaments that the Torah are dressed in?
2: Some would say that the Torah scrolls are decorated in much the way the ancient priests in the Bible, in ancient Jerusalem, in the ancient temple, were decorated. And so they have a cover. They have, just for, um, just for ornamentation, they have these breastplates, these shields. There is a mitzvah called chidor mitzvah, which means to beautify a mitzvah. And so it's not only a mitzvah, a sacred commandment, a sacred act, To have a Torah scroll, to read from a Torah scroll, but to make it even more beautiful adds to the mitzvah, the sacred act.
0: Just because Torah are considered sacred and cherished doesn't mean they're without their imperfections. Take Rodef Shalom's collection.
3: When I looked upon the Torah scrolls and I looked in the ark, I noticed it was not in the optimum condition.
0: Bradley Hyman is Rodef Shalom's cantor. His training is similar to a rabbi's, but instead of using spoken word, his tool for leading worship is music.
3: He joined the congregation three years ago. I had asked a couple of the other clergy members, what is the possibility of looking into making some repair work? What were some of the imperfections that you saw? What were some of the things that stood out? The rule is within the Torah scroll that no letters are permitted to touch each other. There has to be a slight barrier between each of the letters because each letter is viewed as a treasure unto itself. It's a, it's its own special thing. The deterioration of the of the ink would create some of those touching Things that would appear as, as an error, as if the scribe had somehow made some sort of an error. So that would not be acceptable in a true reading. Some other imperfections are the presence of spots or blotching that occurs because of the breakdown of oil and moisture that builds up over time. There's a scientific phenomenon. The more Canner Hyman talked, the more this started to
0: sound like something out of a weird science story, especially when he was explaining how the parchment paper is made. This isn't your everyday parchment made out of cotton fiber or chemicals. We're talking about animal parchment here. And in accordance with Jewish law, the animal the parchment is made from, mostly cows, has to be treated and handled in a very specific way, the
3: kosher way. You would take the skin of the animal. The animal itself should be kosher. And the process of dispatching the animal should be done in a proper way. All of the hair is removed in a very special way, and it is scraped with instruments that are made from uh, wood or animal bone to, 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 to get all of the remnants and little traces of follicle or anything that's left, little fat, introducing these natural occurring acids, natural occurring enzymes. They break it down, they treat it, they stretch it, and then they trim it to be the right shape. For creating a sheet to write upon.
0: The rest of Rode of Shalom's clergy agreed with Cantor Hyman. There were several Torah in the congregation's collection
3: that needed to be restored
0: as soon as possible. So they launched a philanthropic campaign to raise money for the project. But for as old as Rode of Shalom is, remember, its origins date back to the 19th century, the thinking there is really progressive. It's a reform congregation, meaning that of the main branches of Judaism, Orthodox and Conservative being the other two, reform is the most liberal.
2: I think that as a progressive Jew and as a Reform congregation, it's really important to lift up egalitarianism, gender equality in everything that we do, in all that we do to help people have access to the tradition.
0: Rabbi Jill Maderer, for instance, is the first woman to hold the title of senior rabbi in the congregation's history.
2: That means Looking to commentaries that are written by all genders. It means looking to uh, guest speakers and teachers coming from all genders. And it means having an actual Torah read and written and repaired by all genders as well.
0: Traditional Jewish law, however, the halakha, says that only men can be scribes. Rabbi Mader and Rod of Shalom's clergy felt the congregation's Torah Restoration Project offered the perfect opportunity not just to do something meaningful, but to do it in a way and with a twist that aligned more with their view of what they think Judaism in the 21st century should look like.
2: We sought out a woman or somebody who was on any place in the gender spectrum to bring their talents, their skills to our Torah Repair so that we could, even in the very repair and writing of our Torah, reflect those values of a contemporary and egalitarian approach to Judaism.
0: This theme is so universal. It's not just a religious thing. It's about giving people access to opportunities they've never had before. Rode of Shalom knew it wanted female scribes to restore Torah in its collection. They just needed to find them.
1: Honestly, I don't think about it in terms of it. I'm not like, it's so amazing that I'm one of only a few. Like, I don't think about it in that way. I think about how special it is that I get to know all these people so well and that we're so connected to each other. And it feels really special that it's such an intimate community.
0: What made Rabbi Beck Richmond want to become a scribe? How did she navigate the laws of her religion to get to where she is today? We'll explore that part of the story the lessons that come with it next the holidays are here the holidays mean different things to everyone but whatever the holidays mean to you get the most out of them in a new vehicle from our friends at honda whether it's traveling to the holiday family dinner in a spacious, efficient Accord hybrid or heading to a hike to burn it all off in a powerful, adventure-ready CR-V hybrid, your holiday adventure awaits with a new Honda during Happy Honda Days. Contact your local Honda dealer today. This is the Cast. I'm Brian Seltzer. There's something Rabbi Beck Richmond wants to show me in a room on the third floor of the side-by-side duplex she lives in in suburban Cleveland
1: behind my table, there's like literally cupfuls of eraser dust. Probably like seven erasers worth of dust currently under there.
0: Rabbi Beck spends a lot of time in this room. It's where she does the bulk of her scribal work. She's adapted the space to fit the demands of her life.
1: I use a, like a rolling backless chair. And I have a baby, so her room is right below. So there's a carpet for the chair <laughs> to roll on, so it makes a sound, which is nice. But it's kind of been the sound of, like, starting my work. It feels like coming home in a way. So, like, just the sound of, like, you know, the wheels rolling um, and of me getting it positioned on the carpet is kind of like a grounding uh, practice for me almost. Rabbi Beck is
0: 32 on the table in front of her, it's a Torah from Road of Shalom. She's one of two scribes the synagogue hired for its Torah restoration project. The other, Linda Copelson, lives in North Jersey.
1: When I'm writing, I'm sitting. So I have my setup of my ink. I always put my ink inside a container because if the ink spills, which it does sometimes, if it splashes, I don't want it to splash <laughs> anywhere near the scroll. I have a lamp. I'm still trying to figure out good and better lighting. does not feel sufficient, the light that I have right now. But I have a lamp. I'm left-handed, so I position the lamp to the right of where I'm writing so that it doesn't cast shine or shadow. My hand doesn't then cast a shadow on the letters. I keep my feathers in a jar that has water, like about an inch of water.
0: The feathers Rabbi Beck is referring to are quill pens. They're legit. The real deal. She cuts the tips that she dips in the ink herself.
1: I don't know enough about animals, about feathers, but there's gunky stuff. That's what I call it. There's gunky stuff inside the feather that if you don't pull out with a crochet hook or some other tool, will come out at some point when you're writing and be bad. It will, like. Smudge the ink, get in your way. So you got to pull it out.
0: In Judaism, practicing sacred scribal arts is called sofruit. The word for female scribe in Hebrew is soferet. There's believed to be only 30 to 40 soferet in the entire world. They range in age from their mid-20s to 70s and are spread out all over the place, from across the United States to Canada to New Zealand and Israel. Just about every aspect of a Torah scribe's work, regardless of gender, is dictated by an exhaustive set of rules. How many rules are we talking here?
1: That's a great question. I don't know the exact number, but hundreds, really.
0: It's not just that the rules, it's that they're demanding. If a scribe messes up, then technically, the Torah they're working on isn't fit for ritual.
1: A lot of what makes a Torah scroll kosher is really just on the responsibility of the scribe. It happens right here in my studio, just me. So it happens with what I say when I sit down. Have I set the intention? Behold, I'm writing for the sake of the sanctity of the Torah scroll. And any name of God, any uh, name of God that I write, I write for the sake of the sanctity of God. If I don't set those intentions, if I don't speak them out loud, then technically my work is not kosher because Torah has to be written with the intention of writing it for its sanctity.
0: One of the most unforgiving rules that Rabbi Beck describes is that you can never, ever erase the name of God in the Torah. The work that Rabbi Beck does takes a physical toll too. The way she has to position herself around the table, she feels it in her back and in her neck.
1: I'm like still working to figure out the right setup always for how to make my body comfortable enough. So it's hard. It's like physically very hard.
0: With all these rules to follow and over 300,000 letters to account for on a scroll that can stretch over 100 feet long, scribing or restoring a Torah doesn't seem like a daunting task. It sounds like an impossible one. Rabbi Beck has learned to roll with it.
1: We make mistakes. Some mistakes are easier to repair than others. And I think the biggest lesson for me is, is a pastoral one, which is that when we can repair, we do everything we can possibly to make the repair. When a scroll is beyond repair, and there are so many cracked letters that it would just not be sensible to, or possible to make those repairs, if it's been burned, if it's been wildly damaged in a flood, when a scroll has reached the end of its lifetime, we accept that and we bury it. And so too is a human being. Even though it's hard and sad, there comes a time for us to say goodbye. That's a huge lesson I feel like I've learned.
0: So how did Rabbi Beck get involved in this line of work? As a kid growing up in Bethesda, Maryland, just outside Washington, D.C., she was creative and crafty. Rabbi Beck remembers the art table in her family's playroom. Another big part of her life has been religion.
1: I was always the spiritual one among my friend group. I was the one who was like the rabbinic voice in my Jewish circles. And then suddenly I was in rabbinical school with everyone else who was the spiritual one and the Jewish voice. And it felt, there was like this real identity question of like, oh, okay, I'm going to be a rabbi, but like, what, who am I going to be as a rabbi?
0: Rabbi Beck went to the Reconstructionist Rabbinical College in Wincote, about 15 miles north of Philadelphia. She started there in 2015. After talking with a friend's mom, who was both a rabbi and a scribe, and another friend at rabbinical school who was studying sofrut, Rabbi Beck finally gave herself the nudge to scribe on her own.
1: I was like, I guess I could just start. I mean, I don't, why could I not? I, I felt so intimidated that I was like, okay, enough, just start.
0: So she did, in 2017, midway through her second year at the rabbinical college. But to really learn the craft, Rabbi Beck needed a teacher. Now, this is where the systemic, patriarchal rules of traditional Judaism come into play. For men, there's a direct path to scribing, specific schools, programs, things like that. But for women?
1: It explicitly says that women can't be scribes in one of the major legal works.
0: Okay, so that would seem like a definite barrier. But 35 to 40 years ago, somewhere in that range, a group of women began working together to learn Sifrut in 2007 Jen Taylor Friedman became the first woman ever known to write a complete Torah scroll. Rabbi Beck connected with her, and just like that, she had her mentor. Now, you'd think for something as intricate and intensive and sacred as the work of a Torah scribe, this type of apprenticeship would have to take place in person. But that wasn't the case.
1: We studied on Skype in the beginning. Remember that sound? (inaudible) dun (inaudible) dun (inaudible) dun 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 (laughs) So that, um, yeah, we studied on Skype and I sent her photographs into her email of my work and she critiqued them and sent them back. I had like days here and there to study with other people in person, but it's almost all been remote.
0: In 2018, as part of her rabbinic training, Rabbi Beck spent time in Israel. She linked up with a male rabbi there and took his Torah scribal class. But by and large, Rabbi Beck's apprenticeship was a byproduct of the digital age. There was the video conferencing and also an online community called Stom Scribes, made up of progressive scribes from all over the world.
1: There are very few um, cisgendered male scribes in the, in the group. And we have this conversation every so often of sort of like who gets to claim this title of scribe or what does it mean to be a scribe? So there's a question about like what counts or what, get, what falls under that category. And I'm doing repairs. I know the laws. I can write well. I've written. So I'm a scribe. It's truly one of the most beautiful communities that I am part of.
0: That's not to say Rabbi Beck hasn't ever felt judged.
1: When I have gone to suppliers of scribal arts materials, they hear my voice. They see me. They know that I'm not a man. They know I'm a woman. Like it's very obvious to them. And I asked someone one time, explicitly, I was like, when it it was clear that they really were going to sell to me, I asked them, why are you selling this to me? And they said, it's because it's business, like it's business, which is great and upsetting all in one, but is, you know, I'm just saying that like there's, in the communities that I'm part of, there are, I have not experienced any barriers.
0: Rabbi Beck's philosophy has been to stick to circles that are accepting and open-minded. She partners with places like Rode of Shalom in Philadelphia that have similar views on Judaism as she does.
1: There's a prevalent idea that there are certain things that women are not fit to do or can't do, maybe in in an extreme. But I think more so even, it's just like we're not used to it and we don't know that it's even a possibility. There are so few women who are scribing. There are so few people who are not men who are scribing in the world that kids don't have, communities don't have examples. It's taken until now and it's slow, but it's, it's, and it's starting. It really is like, I really do think it's changing.
0: When you think out five, 10, 15, 20 years, decades down the road, what are your hopes for what the community looks like and, and how it's made up?
1: I can't even answer that question because what I want is for us to be connected and I want us to learn from each other. I want us to support each other. I want us to have and share work. But in terms of what the group looks like or its structure, I, I, I feel so grateful that we're figuring it out together.
0: The day I visited Rode of Shalom, they were getting ready for an event later that right. year. the annual commemoration of Kristallnacht, the Night of Broken Glass, November 9th, 1938, a moment in Nazi Germany that ushered in the worst of the Holocaust. When anti-Semitism became increasingly aggressive and violent when Jewish synagogues and businesses were targeted and destroyed, when thousands of Jewish men were rounded up and sent to concentration camps. Rode of Shalom marked the anniversary of Kristallnacht by hosting an exhibit of sorts of 50 Torah scrolls that originally came from European territories and survived the Holocaust and are now in the possession of Jewish congregations in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Delaware. Rode of Shalom has one of its own. In this way, it's hard not to think of sacred texts like the Torah as artifacts that represent religious endurance. of Shalom's senior rabbi, Jill Maderer, looks at Torah like a bridge.
2: I think we take strength from Jewish history, from Torah as a symbol of Jewish history, and vitality, and survival, and also a symbol of hope for the Jewish future.
0: But what about the Jewish present? Rabbi Maderer says these are painful times. pain that she stresses isn't one-sided. Jews, Israelis, Muslims, Palestinians, there's a lot of pain out there. Fallout from the October 7th Hamas terror attacks on Israel have only seemed to deepen divides. Anti-Semitism and Islamophobia are both on the rise.
2: In this painful time, we see a lot of not just anti-Israel sentiment, but also anti-Semitism, just old-fashioned Jew hatred right here in Philadelphia. And so... When we respond to anti-Semitism by strengthening Jewish community, we turn to Torah. We turn to our values, and this Torah Restoration Project is a part of that. As all Jewish life is a part of what it means to strengthen the Jewish community, especially in times when we are feeling hatred targeted at us.
0: Road of Shalom expects to have its Torah Restoration Project completed next year. Until then, in the suburbs of Cleveland. Rabbi Beck Richmond proceeds with timeless purpose, applying a centuries-old trade, erasing barriers of the past to touch a more inclusive, egalitarian present
1: and future. Look, there's a lot of messages in this Torah, but the ones that are so resonant for me, not just in this moment, but always, are the ones that tell us to choose life, to love our neighbor, to not ostracize to make peace. And when I see and encounter those messages in Torah, it feels so clear that those have to be, for me, those those are the guiding teachings that are at my back and in my hands in this moment. They are what I think we need to be holding most dearly to. As we fight for life and freedom and dignity and sovereignty, and justice for all people, Jews, Israelis, Palestinians, Gazans, Arabs, all of us.
3: This is Eitz Chaim Hi, and uh, it says, It is a tree of life to those who hold fast to it. All of its supporters are happy, and we will return and renew our days of old. The John Cast is a production
0: of KYW News Radio Original Podcasts and is made in Philadelphia by Tom Rickard, Sabrina Boyd Serka, Myron Kaplan, Holly Stevens, and me, Ryan Seltzer. Full disclosure, I have some family that belongs to Road of Shalom, which is how I found out about this story. Special thanks to Congregation Road of Shalom, especially Noah Levine, Rabbi Beck Richmond, and a big welcome aboard shout out to our new presenting sponsor, thrilled to have them, your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Make memories during happy Honda days. Be sure to follow the John Cast and KYW News Radio on X and all the social media platforms. You can listen to the John Cast free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you
3: soon.